Welcome everybody to today's Divorce Etc. podcast. We have one of our many favorite, but really one of the top at this moment, Christina McGee. Um, Christina joined us for one of our past open house events, and you will also be hearing her in an upcoming podcast about this amazing movie that she's produced with another fantastic ex-expert. Christina is an author and a coach specializing in difficult divorce situations, and her website is Divorce and Children, but she is so much more than that, as you're going to hear here today. So welcome to our show. Oh, I'm excited to be here. We are ladies thrilled to have you back. Um, This actually came up because at our open house where we were talking about co-parenting and navigating family matters when you're going through a divorce, um, one of the attendees was asking about, I'm going to air quote it, um, protecting your kids when you're going through a divorce and buffering them from your ex or soon to be ex. And how do you even go about it? And Christina reached out to us and said, we need to dig into this deeper. We need to address this question. It's happening everywhere. So that is the purpose of today's show. So let's. I just want to, I just want to jump in for a quick second because there, I feel like that could be understood a lot of different ways. Just saying that like protecting your kids and being the buffer for your kids. And um, part of the conversation really was like protecting your kids just from sort of the verbal sparring that goes on amongst the parents and um, the things that your kids hear between the two of you when you're arguing and when you're getting divorced, all the things that aren't that nice. um, I think that that's, I just want to make it clear that's really what we're focusing on because obviously if someone's in a physically unsafe situation, it's, there's a lot more going on than just being there to protect your kids. You need to make sure that- Right, and then you need to call the police. So we're talking about, you know, you protecting your kids in, in a times when your spouse doesn't always quote unquote, do the right thing. And you want to protect the kids. You don't want their feelings to be hurt for this or that, but this kind of thing happens particularly often when you're dealing with high conflict divorce and difficult people and narcissistic personalities. So that's just my little. No, I think it's an important distinction to make because we're not talking about situations where kids are in danger. Right. No. Um, you know, because children's safety has to be of paramount importance that trumps everything in my sure. book. And so that is clearly not something that we're talking about. But there is also this other aspect of not just like kids getting a front row seat to every fight that parents have, but also you may have a situation where you have a parent who's just not emotionally responsive or they're not validating the child's feelings or, you know, how they engage, right? Mm -hmm. When we say they're not doing the right thing, right? They're not aligning with our values in terms of parenting. And how do you, how do you handle that? Because maybe before you did always run interference, right? Between a parent and a child, you know, to kind of smooth things over to, you know, make sure kids were emotionally okay, or um, had the illusion that you were the fixer in the family. Yeah. And there is no fixer. I, I, I used well, to be the fixer. And I don't, I don't even <laughs> feel like with my first divorce, I needed to necessarily be a fixer and we have a different situation. It, w- it wasn't a, a d- difficult person situation, but little things going to the kids school plays or, you know, the kids performances at school and their dad wouldn't show up. And I would know that he wasn't planning on showing up and they would be disappointed. And I would be like, 
he tried so hard to be here. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to be here. You know, I took videos and he's going to be so proud of you when he sees it. Like I always do that do that kind of stuff. And I think that it's a lot of those kind of things are when you are really dealing with a high conflict situation, you can't always protect your kids like that because it's just not reality. Okay, it's well, let's unpack that because parents tend to fall in extremes in these situations and they either want to throw the other parent completely under the bus and really dig in on how horrible that parent is and they're never going to really be there for you oh, and that's just right. who they are and they're a crap parent, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on. There are also some parents that fall into the other end of the spectrum, like which me. is they, they overcompensate. And in some ways they're kind of, and this is going to sound edgy, they gaslight their kids because we're telling our kids they, oh, he really wanted to be here. Mom wanted to see you this weekend, but she's just so busy working when the truth is that parent just couldn't be bothered or didn't show up. And when kids figure out what's really going on, you can compromise your credibility with them, right? Because it's like, why didn't you tell me the truth? I had a parent in one of my parenting classes many, many years ago that said her kids were furious with her because dad was not the kind of dad that showed up to stuff, right? And she always kind of glossed it over made excuses of why instead of digging into the disappointment that kids felt and when they figured out that dad really wasn't interested in being engaged in their lives they're like why did you lie to us why didn't you just tell us the truth all these years we thought he was really interested and the truth is he isn't so you the thing is here's my number one tip your co-parent is always going to be your children's parent Right. And so in some way, shape or form, they are going to need to come to terms with what kind of parent they are. Right. And just being able to have children <laughs> doesn't necessarily make you a great parent or it doesn't necessarily make you an emotionally available parent. It doesn't necessarily make you an emotionally responsive parent. Those are skills um, that not everybody has. And, and so, not everybody wants to learn. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that, right? But versus really sinking in and trying to kind of make it okay for your kids because we think that we're protecting them, what we'll really do is we're setting them up. One, because we're not being honest with them and we're not dealing with the disappointment or the hurt or the confusion that they're feeling, but also think about how we're defining relationships. So when they see this kind of behavior and we're telling them, that's oh, okay. They really wanted to be there. They really love you. What happens when they grow up and they go out into the world and they get involved in their own relationships? Do we want to frame that kind of behavior as the kind of behavior someone engages in when they love you? When no they're present for you. Right. And then what do you do when your ex lied to you about why they didn't show up? So you're not just covering for him. You're actually repeating his lie. You're like enabling mm -hmm. his, uh, you bad end up enabling bad behavior. behavior kind of, but as long as your kids know that you didn't know it was a lie, like my ex stop showing up for their birthdays, mm -hmm. holidays, vacations, first days of school, 
because he lied to me. Now I believe those lies consciously, subconsciously. I, I wasn't believing it, but that's like a whole other, I don't know, series of podcasts we can dig into. But, you know, I was repeating his lies. Mm-hmm. So then how do you kind of get out of that? Like dealing, I was in a married to a narcissist. I was in a very high conflict divorce. I was in a marriage that for half of it at the very least was full of lies that I just mm-hmm. kept repeating to my kids, making him look so much better than he is. And to your point, initially, I don't want to go and be like, look, see, he's really a X, Y, and Z and, and bad mouth him. How do you mm-hmm. let him make his own bed without going down with the ship? So I think what you do is you focus on the problem and not the person. So instead of getting into labeling dad's characteristics and what he is and he isn't, like when kids bring things to you, validate that for them. Okay, so give us an example. Okay, so let's say that, um, you know, Brittany comes to you and says, you know, whenever Aaron and I get into fight, mom always takes Aaron's side. It, you know, if he takes my toys and I take them back, I'm the one that gets in trouble. I think she likes Aaron better than me. And, you know, um, maybe she doesn't even like me at all. Right. Okay. Well, you could dig into how, you know, mom shouldn't be doing that or yes, mom's always made Aaron her favorite. That's not fair for mom to do. Like you could really rail on mom for what she's doing and not making the right parenting choice, quote unquote, or you could say to your child, gosh, that's got to be really hard. It's got to be really hard when you feel like somebody's not listening to you, when you feel like you're not being treated fairly. Can you tell me more about that? I think that part of the struggle with some of that stuff, like, I I think it's interesting that that's an example you used. I don't have that exact same example, but I remember a conversation with my kids It was probably about two years ago, and I don't even remember how it started, but my daughter was saying that uh, that my son is my favorite because she was saying, I always take his side. And he turned around and he's like, what are you talking about? You're clearly her favorite. She always defends you. So (laughs) they were arguing with each other, saying that I always take the other person's side. So there was a part of me in my head that was like, I guess I'm doing an okay job. If they both, they both think that they're your favorite. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. your favorite. But in all seriousness, if your kid comes back to you to complain about a, something that isn't that you know actually isn't factually true, oh, it's always my fault. She's always doing X, Y, or Z. I kind of feel like if you say that must be really hard, you're almost agreeing with them. I, mm. I understand that there's a part of it that you have to validate their feelings, but at the same at the same point, you're almost kind of saying, yeah, you're right. That is what they're always doing. And that must be really hard for you as opposed to like, you may be misunderstanding the situation. I don't so know. that's an excellent point. And I'm really glad you asked that question because I don't recommend that parents validate things that are invalid. I don't recommend that if you have a different perspective, this is not saying validation isn't about, I agree with you totally, you're right. Validation is simply identifying what's happening in the moment and why your child might be thinking or feeling a certain way. Hmm, that's really interesting. You know, if I were in your shoes, I might feel the same way. I kind of see it differently. 
can we talk about that? Right. You know, that may be the way it feels for you. So an example, your kid comes home, they've made a big fat D on their math test, right? And, and what do kids do? They come home and they say, I am so stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm so stupid. I made a D on my math test. And as parents, what do we do? You're not stupid. You're not stupid. It's okay. Right? You're so smart. You'll do better you next time. A bad, that's right. You just right. You had a bad day. You were a little off. You didn't test well. You'll do better next time. Right? But the bottom line is in that moment, your kid feels really stupid. Right? Like that's their truth. That's their reality. Instead of the, oh, you're not stupid, right? Because we're trying to fix it. We're trying to make them feel better. We can say, gosh, you know, it's so disappointing when you really work very hard and you don't get the grade you wanted, right? Or you feel like you knew something or you didn't. Or I can remember making a D on a math test. And you know what? I kind of felt pretty dumb myself. That's Mm -hmm. that's not a great feeling. Mm -hmm. And then then the conversation can be all about you getting a D, (laughs) not the kid. So let's get back to um, the, well, or, yeah, or what you can do. So then you validate, then you can move into problem solving. So let's talk about what we want to do about this situation, whether it's an issue of favoritism, whether it's an issue of a parent not being emotionally available, whether it's making a D on a test. Now that we understand it, now that I've heard it, now that we've communicated to kids, that makes sense. I can understand why you might feel that way. Then you can move into problem solving. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I think that takes a lot of training. <laughs> I think that that's like oh, one of those easy. things that you have to repeat <laughs> in your head to learn it. Cause I had to do that a lot with my son who struggles a lot, but I want to talk about different rules in different houses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have shared parenting time now and I have rules in my house and he has rules in his house and your kids come home and they're like, dad made me do X, Y, and Z. And this isn't fair. And, you know, I don't want to go there anymore. Mm -hmm. And in your heart, you're like, well, I don't really want you to go there either. I want you to be with me all the time. And my house is so much greater and I have the best food. And how do you handle that? Sounds like you really don't like dad's rule. Tell me about that. But what if I didn't like dad's rule? What if I was like, we've got a problem here. So how do you keep your also really hard, right? Mm -hmm. So now I agree that his rules totally not okay. (laughs) So like, can you coach a parent on how to, manage that conversation? Do you come to your child? Do you go and like, take a breath outside, take a walk, clear your head, come back and revisit it with your child. Like take us through that. My kid just walked in the door screaming and yelling. You can say hates Mm -hmm. mom. So our audience feels better about it because they always hate us (laughs) Um, and we recover, but, but take us through that. Really? What does a parent do? Right. So the temptation is to like jump right on that bandwagon and talk about how the other parents' rules totally suck or they're not good rules and how they should be doing things differently. That's not going to help your kids. You need to put your energy into focusing on what you can control, which is your house, your rules, how you process with the kids, um, how you respond to your kids. Now, if it sets off a strong emotional reaction in you, I would suggest that you do exactly what you said step away from the situation. Wow. 
that sounds really tough. I would really like to talk to you about it. I need to go outside and feed the dog. I need to go to the bathroom real quick. I like come up Is with it some bad reason. to say, you know what? I'm having a hard time processing this right now. Also, I need like 10 minutes and mm-hmm. then let's both regroup. Like to say that, you know what? I'm kind of feeling the way you're feeling, but I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like after a while, I really, I was just completely transparent with my kids. I'm like, you know what? I am, you don't want to hear what's going on in my head and I don't really want to say it. So I'll be back in like 20 minutes. Is that bad to say? I I think that you can say to kids, you know what? I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, I really want to think about, I really want to think about the situation before I say anything. Yeah. Cause when you're coming and then make a point of circling back and having that conversation. Because those triggers happen all the time, especially when you're married to a narcissist, because you hear that he or she said whatever, and that's going to trigger you back at the other spouse's home in a second, regardless Mm -hmm. of what it is. It could be something totally trivial. And then you're triggered because you've been in a pattern too. And, and like trying to teach your kids, I I don't know, this is, this is going to be a bigger conversation than I thought. Are you new to online dating or considering it for the first time since your separation or divorce? If it feels overwhelming or daunting, you're not alone. Alyssa Deneen was in the same position as you after her divorce and after her own trial and error on the apps, started Style My Profile to share what really worked with others in the same boat. She makes it easy for you to get back out there with your best foot forward. Her most popular offering by far is Profile in a Day, which you can find on her website at www.stylemyprofilenyc.com. Alyssa takes a day to style you and your profile. She and her team will revamp your look, write you all new bios that are eye-catching and actually sound like you, and get you high-quality photos in that specific expert-approved dating app style. Her clients say time and time again that their new photos and profile are the reason why they met their new partner. Go to www.stylemyprofilenyc.com or follow Alyssa on Instagram at Alyssa Deneen. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. Let me just jump in because I feel like part of the conversation when you initiated this topic for us, when TH and I had further conversations about it also, was like, this could present itself in so many different ways. But I feel like some of the explicit examples that we had talked about were like, kind of what we were bringing up in the beginning, you know, what about when your um, child, you know, it's their birthday and the other parent doesn't call them in the morning, doesn't bring them a gift when it's your child's time to be with the other parent for dinner or for a sleepover. And, you know, at the last second, the other parent cancels by text to you with like no explanation and no outreach to the kid to explain it. Sometimes in these high conflict situations, I'm going to say we, just because of the context of this conversation, we 
get caught in the middle of -hmm. these situations carrying it all we are right we are carrying it and we have to make these decisions of like do we protect our kids feelings or to 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 your point earlier like do we throw their other parent under the bus it's not my responsibility to give my kid a, a holiday gift from their other parent when their other parent didn't get them a gift, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy it for them. And I'm going to put their other parent's name on it because I don't want my kid to feel like their dad didn't get them a birthday present. I think people do that all the time. I feel like those are situations that I think happen often. And I think are common struggles for people in divorce. And so I feel like, how do we deal with those things? What's your advice on like, where do you draw the line of protecting your kids' feelings and being the buffer? And then all of a sudden now, and you did all those things while you were married. Of course Mm -hmm. you did because you were married. Now your kid goes off and they're with the other parent on there a lot of times and you're not there to protect them from anything that's going on. Well, guess what? Um, your ex is probably not going to be the only difficult person your child is going to encounter in their lives, right? So our job as parents isn't to remove the problems or to remove the adversity or to remove the struggle, but help empower our kids to learn how to cope and deal with it. And when we get in there and we fix it, we make it better and we put the present under the tree or we wrap it for the birthday, what happens when they're 18? What That's happens exactly when right. they're... So what do we do now? So I think there's there's a middle ground in there between throwing them under the bus and making it completely okay. And that center place is really validating how this situation feels, that it is hard, that they are disappointed, that they do. It sounds like you really wish dad would have gotten you a birthday present. That's got to be really hard. I think we also, in those situations where we have a parent that falls in that high conflict category or, you know, displays some of those narcissistic traits that we are, you know, all over the place that everybody's talking about, we need to give our kids a context for understanding that their parents' behavior and their parents' choices are not about them, right? They didn't cause the situation because when a parent doesn't show up for a kid, it's normal for kids to internalize that as something bad about themselves. Like, sure, I must not be lovable enough, pretty enough, smart enough. The list goes on and on and on. And I, I think it's important to help kids adjust their expectations. And and it's not in one conversation, it's a series of conversations, right? It's it's circling back to this over time. Yeah, you know, I tell parents, um, don't go to the hardware store for milk because no matter how many trips you make, you're never going to find what you're looking for. And this is the same dynamic with our kids, right? So they keep going to the hardware store with that parent. They keep looking for milk. It's not showing up. Um, you like, it feels it, so sad when you think about your kids being young and disappointed and let down. And you, I, I just know like from, from TH's, um, you know, from her situation, like there have been times as her kids are, her kids are now young adults and there have been situations where they've like had to really teach us, tried to teach them to really just advocate for themselves. You know, they'll come back and talk to her about this is the situation. This is the situation. And, 
teach has done a great job about being like, I can't, I can't be in the middle of that anymore. You know, you're going to need to tell your dad how you're feeling about things. I'm like, I think that that's really hard for parents to do. It's really admirable. You better believe it is. You better believe it is. And I don't care if your kids are two or 22. Like one of the hardest jobs we have as parents is sitting back and watching our kids hurt. I, I want watching to address struggle. the evolution of that because my kids were eight, six, and four. Mm -hmm. and, um, they were afraid. They were afraid to tell him the way they felt. They were afraid that he was going to disappear. They just, he just came back. He was Mm -hmm. gone for four years, essentially just came back. I'm not, I'm not going to piss him off. I'm going to live by his rules, even though it makes me so upset. And so for my life and our family, that was many, 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 many years. And then you add puberty to it and middle school Mm -hmm. with girls suck and, you know, like all of that. And my heart would break. My heart would break and I would just be there for them. But, um, so they, they didn't stand up for themselves and I don't blame them. They weren't even mature enough. I'm not even sure they knew exactly what to say, but so I want to talk about that space. And then I want to talk about today because that space where your kids are already going through so many of their own changes. And now you're going to mm-hmm. challenge a parent, forget about even being divorced. I probably still yeah. never would have challenged my dad and my parents are married. So how do you, how do you help a well, child? That's super that scary. Time? First of all, that's super scary right? For any kid to think about challenging a parent, it can be really, really overwhelming. And I think that when some of these issues come up for your kids, you can normalize and generalize, right? And normalizing is saying things like, you know, when a kid hasn't seen a parent in a really long time, it can feel really scary to like talk about how you really feel. You, you know, lots of kids worry that that parent might disappear forever. Right. So you let them know they're not alone. That's the first thing, right? Let them know. And it's not even cold in here, (laughs) (laughs) but you want to let them know you're not alone. Lots of kids struggle with this. Lots of people struggled with this, but do you want them to develop into a grown-up who struggles with it? My guess is not right. right? So you want to start trying to empower them and you want to start problem solving. And so it's a gradual progression. You know, when we continue to show up consistently for our kids, when we process these things with them, when we actually listen to what they're saying and we validate their feelings, gosh, I I get why you might feel that way. I can remember feeling that way. And my parents were married, right? It's hard. Um, How does it feel when you want to say something to your dad but you're scared, right? Like, let's talk about that feeling. Okay. I also, um, when I would do groups with kids, I would tell kids that there's basically two kinds of problems in the world, problems you can fix and problems you can't fix. And just because you can't fix or change a problem doesn't mean you can't learn how to handle it. Doesn't mean you can't learn how to cope with it. And there's some beautiful resources out there. Yeah. That's great. There's a great book I love to recommend to parents and it's called Hey Warrior by Karen Young. Hey and Warrior? Hey Warrior. Um, and she's she is a psychologist out of Australia 
but she wrote this beautiful children's book that talks about the amygdala and how it's kind of like our warning system and it lets us know, you know, when we are feeling threatened or danger and help helping kids deal with anxiety. And the way she frames it is that when you have that feeling, when your amygdala is going off and you have that scared feeling, it's your body body's way of telling you you're getting ready to do something brave. Hmm. I like that. I you mean, know? and really when we look at like when we're facing, even as adults, fearful situations, right? How do we get to the other side of it? I literally had it? an anxiety attack two weeks ago and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And if someone said you're about to do something brave, instead of me thinking, what is wrong with me? My body is literally out of control. I can't rationalize any of this. That would save me a lot of heartache. Um, my, I also want to bring up the fact that you can have two kids, one kid, five kids, whatever. Every kid is totally different. Mm -hmm. I got my three kids who all went through seemingly the same situation, but they all have very different and do have very different relationships with their dad. And when I say all of this, I'm not saying it's always men, everybody. So I'm just putting it out there. This is my situation because I know that women, there are special women out there too. Um, but today they are 18, 21 and 23. Mm-hmm. My 21 year old who is, I have two girls and a boy. So she's the younger daughter and the older sister. And she has learned now to speak up and I have helped her do that. And it's easier for me to do that because she's most like me. Mm-hmm. We, we I don't know how to explain it, but we just are. It's not just mannerisms. It's, it just is. And my older daughter, who's in the working world, is the last one to speak up to her father. She kind of looks to her siblings. And my youngest, who has been through his own like shit storm, Mm -hmm. um, is also brave. So they're brave braver together, but they let my middle one take the lead. My youngest one then chimes in and my, my oldest one will just kind of be like, I'm just, I'm just here. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything, but I'm with the group. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to remember everybody that each of your kids is so different and the way they respond is so different. And then I've now I've got a kid who doesn't want to talk about it. The other one talks all about it. So, so like balancing all of that, like, how do you help parents kind of, I don't know how I haven't lost it. I think that therapy certainly has been significant in my life um, and trusting my gut. So for me, those are like kids, I'm doing the best I can, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I, I'll answer anything you have a question for, as long as I have an answer for you. And otherwise, like, I don't know what to tell you, but what other suggestions do you have? Because now I'm like, all right, I I wasn't a bad mom. I wasn't crazy. And then undoing my own patterns again, in a high conflict marriage, you have your Mm -hmm. own patterns to undo. You have to release the power this other person had over you and be there for your kids with like a clear mind. Right. Right. Help us help everybody, please. Yeah. So I I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, 
I went to therapy, right? You oh, yeah. gotta have support when you're dealing with these kinds of situations. It's very difficult to get a clear perspective or to really identify, you know, where you stop and your kids start in terms of the feelings about these right. kinds of things. Um, so, so I think the first step is making sure you're putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, right? That you're, you have a support system to process how you're feeling, what's going on, um, you know, working with a coach where you can kind of get some perspective about like, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. How do you, how do you approach some of these really difficult conversations? I think also having a measure of grace for yourself is really important because no parent, I don't care if you're married, divorced, single parenting, we all get it wrong sometimes. And that's, that's just the way it is. You, there is no way to be a completely flawless, perfect parent. You're, you're going to mess There's up. No such thing. Excuse me, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but There's I, no look, such thing. It's no, of course not. And, and this conversation, it, we really, I mean, it, it's, it's a never ending conversation, but I feel like it's so relatable because the, the truth is, even as someone who didn't go through a high conflict divorce, um, we all as parents have to be in situations at one point or another where we want to protect our kids from something yep. that's going on, even if it's kind of harmless. It's like that, you know, and this really is about trying to navigate when you are getting divorced, how to navigate teaching your kids kids to advocate for themselves and to feel empowered, just like you said, so that they can handle the situations when the disappointment does come, because inevitably disappointment is going to come even from those of us with the best of intentions. There oh, are middle schools, the worst, you're not exactly. invited to this party and exactly. you're not wearing the right shirt. And right. So we can't always be there and, and protect our kids, but it's just such an important conversation because it's something that's really in the spotlight when it comes to children dealing with divorce, especially with a narcissistic a parent or in a high conflict situation. Mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I really hope that all of you are going to listen to this podcast a few times because I have my own notes here, validate, empower, oxygen mask. And if you're freaking out, you're about to do something brave. Like those are my four big takeaways. And I know there's so much more. Wait, but also just, I love what you said about, there are two kinds of problems in the world. Mm -hmm. Problems that you, can can, solve. that you can solve and problems that you can't. And, and look, part of growing up and part of us helping our kids as parents in general is teaching them the difference knowing, right. It's like the, it's like mm -hmm. that thing, right? Like God give you the, the strength to know what you can change. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but the serenity I, prayer. Yeah. The serenity prayer. Exactly. And so it is that like teaching our kids to understand what they can change and what they can't change and how to deal with it when it's disappointing. Thank it's you so true. much, Christina. Thank you so much. I, I just, uh, well, You're we're really helping a pick, lot of people. We're going to have to pick this up because I feel like we scratched the surface barely. Yeah. It's a big conversation. It's such a big conversation, but I it's, really appreciate the opportunity to share the information and, you know, just want parents to know you don't have to go it alone. And I love what your community is doing for parents by really giving them a place to connect 
so that they don't feel alone, that they can know, yeah, there are other people just like me that are really in it and struggling. Um, and we can all, you may be doing the very best you can in the moment and we can all do better. Right. I love that. So thank you again, Christina. We will definitely be talking to you more about this very soon. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.